0: want to know. The big question is. I've always wondered.
1: Would you like to know?
0: I want to know. Carrie, Tommy, I've been wondering and they would like to ask please. to tell me. Want to know. Like to know. Want to know. Some of your secrets. That's what I want to know. Carrie and Tommy's.
1: That's what I want to know.
0: Because I love this segment because we get to chat to people who um might not be known to the uh, wider general public, but have fascinating lives, and we, we want to know more about they're them. They're
1: always the lives that you wish you knew someone to pepper them with questions. Yes. But they're rare. They're the like unicorns.
0: man I'm about to introduce to you uh, is an author. His newest book release is called Dark Arena, um, but his his history to get to this point is absolutely fascinating. He was part of the French Air Force as a teenager. He became a fighter pilot. He then moved on um, to be part of the DGSE, which I didn't know, but is the equivalent to um the British MI6 or the American CIA, and he a worked spy. as a spy for some time before once again, um, penning uh, these great books. The and books he joins are us spy now,
1: books too.
0: Uh, it is Jack Beaumont. G'day, Jack.
2: G'day. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us. We we don't really know where to start, so I I guess we'll start kind of in the early days. Can you? Can you tell us what led you to join the French Air Force?
2: Well, I always, uh, always wanted to uh, to become a fighter pilot uh, since I was uh, since I was a kid. Yeah. So I did I did uh, mathematics and physics, engineering um, uh, quite young, and then I joined the uh, the Air Force and I became uh, a fighter pilot. I did my first uh, first war mission at twenty one.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: where was where was your first war mission?
2: It was in Bosnia.
0: Okay, and and. I always hear from um I was gonna say from people that's not true. It's mainly from movies and T V shows I watch that the reality of um people who go to an active war zone um compared to what they thought it was gonna be like in, in your case when you said, you know, it was something you always grew up wanting to do, it seems to be starkly different. Was that the case with you?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean I mean, you grew up, you know, with movies like the right stuff or of course of course Top Gun uh, yeah. a bit later on and then and you become a fighter pilot, and it's very nice to have a a flight suits with a, with a lots of patches on it to go in nightclubs. But then, <laughs> then then one day, one day someone tells you, uh, actually, uh, you're taking off Monday morning to go on a war zone, and wow. and it's 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 not what you uh, had imagined. And it's it's in a way, it's very interesting because that's where you really discover yourself. You know, you uh, you can't anticipate the uh, the kind of reaction you're gonna have.
1: At what point then do you decide to become a spy? Is it a situation where someone taps you on the shoulder and says, you know, we've noticed this, you know, these qualities in you, we think you'd be good? Or is it something that you go, oh, I'd like to do that?
2: No, no, it's, it's um, actually what happened is, so I, I, I was a fighter pilot for almost 10 years uh, and then I had a flying accident, so I injured my back um, and uh, I had to be retrained uh, as a pilot for Special Forces. So I, I was transferred to Special Forces. Uh, for a few years, and I did uh, I did the hunt of the Serbian war criminals in in the Balkans for for oh, a few years. Wow. Uh, so flying um, propeller planes, um, you know, for very short takeoff, short landing by night on landing on roads, on fields, uh, with no flight plan, all the lights off, this kind of stuff to to pick up some guys and dropping some guys uh so that was that was a lot of fun and actually the the, the people i was uh, transporting in the back uh, were sometimes from special forces and then after a moment i realized that some of them actually were secret service so the french cia called the DGSE, yeah uh, and they became mates uh, and then i had a survival training uh, in the alps in high altitude because i was meant to go and do the same for ben laden in afghanistan at that time uh, and um, I had, a, uh, I mean, one of my discs in my back popped out again, so I had second surgery, and I had to stop flying in the military. And then those guys said to me, why don't you try to join us? And so I did the test, which is one-year test to join, uh, and I was selected. And when I joined, internally, uh, they uh, offered me, uh, they asked me if I wanted to do more tests to become an operative, and I said yes, so I did more tests and I was selected, and then I became uh, an operative. So I did uh, almost eight years of clandestine operations on the false identities in, in various countries.
0: Jack, you mentioned then, if I heard right, that the test was a year, that first test?
2: Yeah, to join the, the company, to join the DGIC, it's, uh the, the test is spread on one year.
0: And, and what are the success rates like of people who go through that testing
2: process? No, it's pretty, pretty low, uh, pretty low. It's... it's uh, when you join like this normally uh, you go what we call in the uh, uh, intelligence division so normally to start as an analyst uh, and then after a few years as an analyst uh, then uh, you start uh, dealing with the uh, human sources and you start going a bit on the field and uh, that's for the intelligence division but the operational division uh, which is the uh, uh, the real clandestine operations and offensive actions uh, they have an eye on the basic training of the new uh, of the newies uh, joining the company, and sometimes they allow themselves to do some cherry picking. So that's what happened to me, and so I, I did the basic test on one year to be uh, – then I was selected. I joined to go in the uh, intelligence division, and then I had an internal phone call uh, asking me if I wanted to do more tests to be uh, an operative, and was selected. And then the, 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 we are a very, very small uh, amount of people doing that uh, job.
1: Is it like the movies? Like what's the day in the life of a spy like? Can you take us back to, and obviously I'm assuming you can't tell us the details of the actual uh, uh, scenario you were in, but can you paint the picture of, of a scenario that you might have been in and what your job was?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, well, first first, uh, you, you, uh, you replace, for the French services at least, you replace the Aston Martin by a Peugeot. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> but uh, except from that, I mean, it's that's it, what I try to describe in my books, uh, whether it's The Frenchman or Dark Arena, is actually 90% of us are married with kids. So uh, the, the the daily life of a spy is, uh, you know, leaving your house in the morning, uh, before leaving the house, make, looking in the street if uh, if there is something weird, like people waiting or a van or something which could be there for you. Then you leave your house, then you do a itinerary of security to make sure you're not followed. Uh, And when you, and then you virtually become someone else. And this someone else has a daily mission or a few days mission or a few weeks mission. Uh, from the moment you become this someone else, you go in a safe house um, where you drop your real life in a, in a cupboard and uh, pick up your false life with a false IDs another watch another other you know jacket uh, all the clothes and everything and uh, and then you uh, leave this building by another exit and where you so you really became someone else and then you you do you go and do what you have to do um, and of course zero absolutely zero contact with the family because um, this someone else is not meant to know your wife and kids um, so it would be the worst mistake to do to try to contact your family because the guys you're working against for sure are going to try to identify your real name. So that's why we have false names, right? false IDs. It's not just to, you know, be a James Bond in the in the lobby of a five-star hotel. It's it's, it's really to protect the family and to protect our real identities. And, Has and, your family
1: and... ever been at risk? Has there been a moment where you feared for your um... family's life?
2: It's, it, the difference with, uh, when you are a fighter pilot or special forces is when you finish your mission and you come back, you can have a weekend, you can have holidays, and you know that the bad guys you, you have been fighting, they're not going to come you know, after you over the weekend or the holidays. But when you're a spy, everyone is an enemy. Uh, so it's eight years of war mission nonstop. So I don't know. Um, I had some guys in my teams uh, who had really bad surprises uh, when they came back home. Uh, with their wife and daughter on on their knees in the living room, uh, with uh, five guys with baklavas, uh with guns, and the guns on the heads of the wife and the daughter. Um, mm. So you you never know you never know when your when your your real identity uh, is is burned or not. So everyone is a potential enemy. Each time you come back from a mission, and your wife tells you that you know she met this very nice mother at, at school because her, her kids in, in the same classroom as our kids, um, immediately you, you are so paranoid of everything that you know, immediately you ask all those questions. How did you meet her? Did she ask any question about me? Have you seen her car? Have you seen the ID plate of the car? Did oh she come God. to our place? Have you been to her place? Have you seen the husband? got to be uh, exhausting
1: living with you, Jack. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah well, look, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, divorce. divorce is the rule. And, and unfortunately, uh, suicide is, 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 pretty, is pretty heavy as well.
0: Yeah. Jack, why? I mean, sorry, not, not in relation to the suicide mention, but it sounds just so stressful for me to hear and it sounds like it must put a strain on any relationship. Why do you do it?
2: Well, clearly not for money um, because you're not, uh, you're not well paid. Um, How so, much does uh, a spy get paid? Oh, it's uh, it's uh, really low. Well, keep in mind that you know French salaries are not Australian salaries, but uh, basically you are paid, be- uh, you know, um, because of your rank in the military. So uh, imagine the salary of a of a captain or a commander, and uh, that would be the salary. So uh, to give you an idea, I did the. I did this uh, high-risk mission once. I, I, globally, I did more than 100 missions, so wow. I, I had more than 100 different identities. Um, and I did this uh, one uh, pretty intense mission where people were hanged in the light, at the light poles, on the light poles in the street uh, where I was, and if I would have been caught, I would have been one of them. Um, and at the end of the mission, it, it became really, really... Uh, intense i had to sleep with a gun and block my door and everything and when i came back uh, because of this uh, high risk mission for a few weeks um i had a special incentive on my bank account uh, for to thank me uh like a a bonus uh, and it was uh, a bit less than 200 euros
1: oh Oh my god
2: so you don't do it for money you do it because um you want to do it for, I mean, to defend the people who don't even know you exist and, of course, for your country and what for what you believe in. And and, uh, and also because, you know, it gives you a, a thrill, of course, and being a part of, of the secret, of the secrecy. And uh, it's, it's like in the movie Matrix, you know, you feel like you mm-hmm. are one of the few who know what's really happening and read, reading between the lines and, and, and seeing things around you when… The average person is living its life normally, uh, so you feel kind of privileged to 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 be able to be in this in this secret and to to know what's happening. But it, it clearly has a, a very uh, heavy uh, psychological toll, uh, and and that's why, uh, because I had the PTSD, that's that's why I started writing my books. So that's that's how I started um, writing The Frenchman.
1: Do you ever confuse like? Quite naturally, I would imagine, if you've had 100 identities, do you ever get confused who you are on a given day, you know, introduce yourself as Sean and then go, sorry, John, I mean, Bill? <laughs> like, as in how hard is it to keep up with the lies the whole time?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard. Uh, it's um, So the best lie is, is the one who has uh, 90% of truth in it. Um, so even your false identities, you're going to make sure that, uh, let's say the basics of the false identity is quite close to uh, your real life. So if yeah. you get interrogated, and if you're really tired, or even if you're drugged, or this kind of stuff, then then you're gonna basically, uh, um, you know, tell the truth in a way um, which is close to your to your false identity. Uh, what is really hard, of course, is all the names. Um, but it, it depends. It depends, uh, you know, you know who you're going to work on and, and what you have to do. So sometimes it's to approach or recruit or manipulate some human sources to access what they have in their minds, their secrets. And sometimes it's uh, very operational, so go and, and steal basically the secret where it is. So it can be in someone's house or in offices or in a car, in a boat, uh, you know, these kind of things um and we have different ways of of accessing those secrets uh and so uh, sometimes your your identity doesn't really matter uh, in a way it's just in case just to go through the border and 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 uh, in case you would be uh, inter- arrested and interrogated uh, and sometimes it's more important uh, because you are approaching someone and have to play a game and an actor game approaching this person and bef- befriending this person for weeks or months. Uh, and that's where the identity, the false identity, is very important.
0: Jack, is this a, a whole world? Like, when I hear you talk about this, I'm now just wondering, are there spies everywhere? Like, is, is even in Australia, is there spies from every different country just existing in everyday life?
2: Well, I would say that at the moment, I guess, uh, they are more in the Middle East than in Australia. Right. But, um, yeah, of course, you have uh, you have uh, spies uh, everywhere. Now, it, it depends, actually, of the nationality of the spies because we have different way of working and, and, and because we are uh, different numbers. Like, for example, the DGSE, the, the French services uh, is a few, uh, you know, uh, Dozen of thousands, uh, when when or a few thousands. Um, I mean, not on the field globally speaking, the, the whole company. Yeah. When when uh, Chinese, for example, services would be 1.2 million. Right. So 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 um, uh, it's it, it, it's not the same way of working. Uh, you know, China can easily send, uh, especially with Australia, uh, some some Chinese students or workers in different places, and even if they are not really sp- spies like trained or i mean paid by their services they have to write reports they have to communicate what they see or maybe uh, uh, befriend some people when they ask to yeah.
1: jack have you ever killed somebody
2: uh, so that's a that's a a hard question for me to answer for because if if i tell you yes uh, you're going to think oh he's a spy he's not meant to tell me he killed someone mm-hmm. so he's bullshitting he, uh, he he didn't kill anyone but if i say no you're gonna think ah, oh, he's a spy of course he's not allowed to tell me he killed someone so of course he's bullshitting and he's lying <laughs> so i i can't i can't win either way but it's the the real question is the real question is you have to define what you mean by killing uh, Pulling the trigger is something uh exploding the life of someone is another way of killing. Mm. Uh, and, and when when you need to access uh, someone's mind or, or some secrets uh, which are in someone's mind, and you approach this person, and you're going to try to uh, enter this person's life being someone else, as I explained, and start manipulating this person uh, with different leverages so that you can access this intelligence, uh, what we call the MICE, I don't know if you heard about this, M-I-C-E. So, uh, it's the four leverages to manipulate someone. So, M is for money, uh, I is for ideology, C is for coercion, and E is for ego. So, you're going to identify the mice of the person, and then you're going to start exploiting the mice that you detected. uh, And and you enter this person's life, and then you start to uh, manipulate this person based on the leverage you detected in the mice. Uh, so that this person talks uh, and gives you the uh, the information but sometimes sometimes they are good people unfortunately sometimes they are bad people of course and it doesn't really matter but when they are good people sometimes are uh, you know a good husband uh, no uh, playing debt no drug uh, addiction no mistress uh, heavy happy kids a happy wife not really interested by money not really any ideology or whatever but we need to access, uh, the intelligence in his mind. Uh, then we're going to on purpose destabilize uh, his life to create a mice. So we're going to blow up his life, basically right. his marriage or kids, or this kind of stuff so that, so that we finally have a leverage to access this information. And so it, to answer your question, uh, this is the heart of the job, uh, to, uh, to obtain this intelligence in someone's mind and unfortunately let's say twenty percent of the time uh, it's in a, in, a, in a good person's mind so you have to uh, you have to uh, destabilize uh, this person's life so it's a different way of killing uh, but you, you you explode the life of the person did you ever like disagree with the target that you were given yeah it's 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 hard to disagree because on purpose when you work in intelligence you usually don't have the full picture of the whole context and everything on purpose because if something happens to you and if you get interrogated in a basement uh you know you have to limit uh what you can say has to be quite uh, limitative um so um, you usually don't have the full picture so sometimes when you ask to do something, uh, you don't always uh, understand it or you don't always, you know, share the point of view. Uh, but uh, you know that if uh, there is that re- request, it uh, might be because, you know, there is something uh, higher or something deeper that what you know uh, and, and might be a reason somewhere. What is really hard is uh, to, because I, I, I understand your 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 question and maybe I'll try to answer it differently. Sometimes you work on someone or you have really dangerous heavy missions for a few weeks and the intel so you risk your life basically and then you bring some intelligence back. And what's is, what is really disappointing sometimes is you see your country or the president of the country or the prime minister of the country uh, taking a decision for France on the inter- international scene uh, related to the country you've been doing your mission, uh, which clearly really doesn't um, consider the intelligence you've been taking back. Mm. So it goes against, so you, you think, uh, I've been risking my life for nothing. I've been mm. risking my life and my family's life, uh, being someone else in a, in a dangerous country to finally get this you know, a piece of gold of information. This piece of gold of information went up to the Prime Minister and the, the, the President of the Republic, but he decided not to consider it. And and, and the position of France is, is, is not uh, considering the information you, you brought back. So that's sometimes a bit hard uh, to accept.
0: I can imagine. Um, you mentioned interrogation before. Have you ever been um, caught and interrogated?
2: Uh, I don't remember.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Much like the have you killed someone question. Is that right? (laughs) Um,
0: Jack, I was going to ask about your um, family and and when you said you would go off and you wouldn't be able to have any contact with them. Was there any occasions where, um, you know, you said I'll be gone a couple of days and that turned into a lot longer and they had no way of knowing when you'd be home?
2: Yeah, it did happen uh, uh, several times. Uh, The and and actually one day i i, I really um, did a, a big mistake and the, um, uh, so I, I was meant to be away for for like let's say a week and and uh, the, the mission i was in uh, uh, actually got uh, uh, longer and so i thought uh, that i was going to ask i had some you know the way we communicate on the field between us sometimes you have a backup team or not but when you do we communicate with little stickers that we put in different places because we have no phone, we have no nothing. So we, we, uh, what, we do what we call clandestine liaison. Uh, so we put little stickers in different places, which means different thing. And normally, there is no collusion. Normally, we don't meet each other. And, and on that specific uh, occasion, uh, I asked. So I did put a sticker requesting a direct contact. Um, and so I, I met in the, um, in the basement of a bar um in the other country uh, the one of my um uh, backup team uh, member and uh, i said to him i said okay the mission is gonna last for one more week would you mind uh in paris uh, basically at some point inform my wife that it's gonna take longer but i'm fine Uh, and actually that was a big mistake because um the way he did it (laughs) she was she was at the market, you know, on a the, on the Sunday morning, you know, picking up her fruits and everything with the kids. And then you had this guy she didn't know uh, who came next to her and oh started God. started to look at, at the fruits like like she was doing, you know, and without looking at her, just said he's fine, but he will it will take longer. And then he puts the fruits back and just leaves, you know, and and, and so she was there and she thought, ah, you know, is it real? Is it not of real? Is, is he uh, actually uh, really working with with my husband or is it uh, or actually my husband got caught and now they know who I am um, oh. and, and they are testing to see what my reaction is going to be? Uh, is it a friend? Is it an enemy? Is it, you know, so when I came back, she was so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's, uh, it must
1: be hard. Yeah. It must be hard, Jack, too, because so much of a relationship, like a marriage, is about you know, sharing your life and sharing what's happened at work and trust and all of that, it would be hard, I would imagine, because you wouldn't be able to share much of what was going on and you'd always be just a bit dodgy.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, it's, its um uh, you know, I, obviously I'm French uh, with my accent, but I'm Australian as well. And so I married an Australian uh, girl and, and um, my wife's Australian. And, and f- so she, we met when I was a fighter pilot and then so... She went through the special forces with me and everything. And and when I became a spy, uh, she said, look, I'm happy for you to do it, but I don't want to know anything about it. I, I, it it's too dark for me, uh, and I don't want to carry uh, this darkness on my shoulders. You decide to do it. It's your problem. I don't want to know anything about it. Wow. I trust you, but I don't want to know anything about it. I don't want this darkness in my life. Uh, and And the problem is that you know we all have a dark side we all all have a dark side more more or less but we all have one and so this yin and yang and and the problem is when you join the company you have a pretty much uh, you know good equilibrium and that's why they are hiring people married because it's a sign of mental stability <laughs> and, and you have and you have and you have this this anchor you know which is grounding you back in your real life because When you have so many identities you need to know and you need to remember who you really are and so having being married with kids is something which you know takes you back to your real life Um, but at the end to fight the by the bad people you have to be as bad as them or worse Um, and so you really you know disturb this yin and yang and one day you wake up and it's all black uh, and and, uh, and and your wife, you know, you changed. Your your wife doesn't recognize the man she decided to, to to marry, and 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 actually, you don't even recognize yourself uh, in in the mirror, you know. And okay. you know that's that's a good moment to stop.
0: Jack, I I can't imagine a more exciting job than the one you had, and then to transition into writing books, <laughs> I imagine that was a lot less of a um adrenaline rush uh
2: yes no clearly i mean uh, the, the the all the jobs i did had a high level of adrenaline but at the at the end you don't even realize it um, that you're living on the adrenaline mm-hmm. uh so so when i left um when i left the company uh i moved um, and i worked in, in uh, still in defense uh but as a contractor uh, so I, I didn't, uh, I didn't write books immediately. Uh, and it's only a few years after I was still, uh, you know, waking up at night and, and, uh, chasing ghosts. You know, I was walking around my house, checking every door, every window in the dark, uh, naked with a knife in my hand. And then I was sitting there on the, on the, in the on the couch, in the living room, in the dark, waiting for someone to come in, uh, thinking, you know, I, I, I did this to others, so why why wouldn't someone else do it to me? Um, and so, uh, and my wife, you know, was waking up and telling me to go, come back to bed. Uh, and so, uh, that's where I decided uh, to um, to to write books. Uh, one of my mates actually in Sydney said to me, "You should you should write a book. It would help you. It would be a cathartic process uh, for you." And that's how I started to write uh, *The Frenchman*, and I, I wrote it thinking that no one was going to read it. No, I wrote it thinking it was not going to be, it was not going to be published, and only my family and friends would read it. And and it became a bestseller, a multi bestseller in Australia, and New Zealand, yeah. uh, and and was released in France, in Japan, in the U.S. Um, I sold the rights to uh, Hollywood uh, to make a TV series, uh, and then I was ordered, uh, I was ordered, uh, you know, book two, three, four. So. Uh, well, yeah, and and I've, and actually, I felt better after, after writing that's the so Frenchman. Good. So yeah, yeah.
1: Um, there was a period of time where you uh, were responsible for taking care of a very famous general. Uh, can yeah. you give us uh, just on our way out one crazy story from that time? The the <sighs> one that would just have us going, oh my god.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. So that was <clears throat> so that's when I was in in uh, special forces, and so I was uh, transporting for very uh, specific missions um, in the context of the catching the, the, the Serbian war, war criminals. Um, and so we landed in, um, I've got plenty of stories, but we landed in, um, in that city. And he said to me in the plane said, okay, uh, I need you to come with me. Uh, I have a very important meeting. Uh, I've been discussing with those guys for the last uh, four or five years, uh, with a translator. Uh, and actually what they don't know is actually I speak Serbian fluently. Uh, and today I'm going to unveil uh that uh, myself and I'm, I'm gonna make them understand that actually I understand everything they say for the last five years oh my god uh, and 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 they they might not gonna be happy so I I, I might need your, your help to get out of it so you're gonna come with me and so we ended up in a, this massive uh, massive uh, you know ballroom in an ex-soviet block hotel. Uh, where we were having lunch, and it was a very long, long table. And on on one side of the table, it was just uh, he and I, and on the other side of the table, there were like 10, uh, including the the big boss of the the local services and and his translator. Uh, And the general told me in the car, I said, look, in the middle of the the lunch, I want you to drop your napkin on the floor. And uh, while you pick it up, you you check under the table. uh, If those guys uh, have uh, guns, you know, under the table, on their knees. Uh, and when you uh, stand back up, uh, if you put the, the, the napkin uh, back on your knees, it means it's fine. And if you put it on the table, it means they all have guns. Oh. And, and, I would get uh, and get so said, wrong. Okay.
1: I'd put it the wrong way.
2: <laughs> and and so uh, we arrived uh, at lunch. And I so he gave me the sign. So I dropped my, my napkin, looked under the table. And all those guys, except the, the big boss and the translator in the middle, all those guys all had guns on their on their knees, uh, under the table, uh, holding their guns. Uh, so I I put myself uh, back in my in my seat and put the napkin on, on the table. And then he looked at me with a little smile, and then he started speaking in Serbian. Oh. Uh, and and, <clears throat> and and then I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's not going to be good. And so we had the time the time it really created a big mess. So they were a bit lost. And it gave us the time to escape, basically. And when we arrived in the plane, he said, "Okay, take off, take off immediately, take off. So I started the engine and we started to taxi. And the time we taxi, we had the cars chasing up on each side of the runway uh, with the the guys with the pickups, with the Kalashnikovs, you know, and starting to shoot, (laughs) starting to shoot in the air or trying to shoot in front of the plane to make us stop. Uh, And so I I took off immediately. I think I took off on the taxiway. And so I, I took off. Uh, gear, gear up and I stayed really, really low not to be uh, in, the, in the shooting range of, range of an RPG and uh, stayed really, really low. And then we, uh, we went and, and landed in Mostar uh, to to refuel and we had a whiskey on the way.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. <gasps> Did, when you're working with someone so closely, were you ever worried they might be a double agent? Did you ever have an experience with that?
2: Uh, direct experience, no. Uh, I know some. Uh, I mean, it did happen to some of my um, my teammates in the, in the service. But uh, the way it's done, uh, I mean, we have the internal security of the company. I'm not talking about the internal security of France. So inside the DGSE, you have some um, some guys uh, which are part of the DGSE, and they are their job is to hunt and chase the spies, uh, the, the double agents who could be, uh, uh, you know, in, inside the DGSE. Uh, so, sometimes they have some doubts and you, you because you're working with those guys, uh, they call you and, and you get, you know, a bit interrogated to, 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 to tell what you know about this person. Uh, but it didn't happen to me directly. So, usually the checks, uh, it, I mean, it's really well checked all the time. And uh, I'm not saying that it's not happening. Uh, it never happened to me.
0: Well, Jack Beaumont, this has been absolutely fascinating. If you haven't got a copy of um, Jack's best-selling uh, novel, The Frenchman, make sure you do that. And the new book, uh, Dark Arena, is also out now. Uh, grab them both. Um, it's been, oh, to say fascinating pleasure, is a it? real yeah. understatement. Yeah. Jack Beaumont, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks a lot.